Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. A lot of people have said in the past, why doesn't the president put forth a budget, propose a budget? Well, the president has. He discusses this. He also discusses how the deficit is down, how we're headed economically in the right direction, how the stimulus worked, and the details in his new budget that he has proposed. Let's first listen to President Barack Obama with this proposal talking about the deficit being down and the details of his budget. And then we'll go over those details and we'll talk with you and give you the way to contact us. But this is our president. We have cut our deficits by about two thirds. I'm going to repeat that as I always do when I mention this fact, because the public oftentimes, if you ask them, thinks that the deficit has shot up. Since I took office, we have cut our deficits by about two thirds. That's the fastest period of sustained deficit reduction since after the demobilization at the end of World War II. So we can afford to make these investments while remaining fiscally responsible. And in fact, we cannot afford, we, we would be making a critical error if we avoided making these investments. We can't afford not to. When the economy is doing well, we're making investments, when we're growing, that's part of what keeps deficits low because the economy is doing well. So we've just got to be smarter about how we pay for our priorities, and that's what my budget does. At the end of 2013, I signed a bipartisan budget agreement that helped us end some of the arbitrary cuts known in Washington speak as sequestration. And folks here at DHS know a little too much about sequestration, because many of you had to deal with those cuts and the uncertainty around them. And it made it a lot harder for you to do your jobs. The 2013 agreement to reverse some of those cuts helped to boost our economic growth. Part of the reason why we grew faster last year was we were no longer being burdened by mindless across-the-board cuts, and we were being more strategic about how we handled our federal budget. And now we need to take the next step. So my budget will end sequestration and fully reverse the cuts to domestic priorities in 2016. And it will match the investments that were made domestically, dollar for dollar, with increases in our defense funding. Just last week, top military officials told Congress 
that if Congress does nothing to stop sequestration, there could be serious consequences for our national security at a time when our military is stretched on a whole range of issues. And that's why I want to work with Congress to replace mindless austerity with smart investments that strengthen America. And we can do so in a way that is fiscally responsible. I'm not going to accept a budget that locks in sequestration going forward. It would be bad for our security and bad for our growth. I will not accept a budget that severs the vital link between our national security and our economic security. I know there's some on Capitol Hill would say, well, we'd be willing to increase defense spending, but we're not going to increase investments in infrastructure, for example, or basic research. Well, those two things go hand in hand. If we don't have a vital infrastructure, if we don't have broadband lines across the country, if we don't have a smart grid, all that makes us more vulnerable. America can't afford being short-sighted, and I'm not going to allow it. The budget I've sent to Congress today is fully paid for through a combination of smart spending cuts and tax reforms. Let me give you an example. Right now, our tax code is full of loopholes for special interests, like the trust fund loophole that allows the wealthiest Americans to avoid paying taxes on their unearned income. I think we should fix that and use the savings to cut taxes for middle-class families. That'd be good for our economy. Now, I know there are Republicans who disagree with my approach. And I've said this before. If they have other ideas for how we can keep America safe, grow our economy, while helping middle-class families see, feel some sense of economic security, I welcome their ideas. But their numbers have to add up. And what we can't do is play politics with folks' economic security or with our national security. You, better than anybody, know what the stakes are. The work you do hangs in the balance. In just a few weeks uh, from now, funding for Homeland Security will run out. That's not because of anything this department did. It's because there are Republicans in Congress who funded everything in government through September, except for this department. And they're now threatening to let Homeland Security funding expire because of their disagreement with my actions to make our immigration system smarter, fairer, and safer. Now, let's be clear. I think we can have a reasonable debate about immigration. I'm confident that what we're doing is the right thing and the lawful thing. I understand they may have some disagreements uh, with me on that, although I should note that a large majority or a large percentage of Republicans agreed that we needed comprehensive immigration reform and were prepared to act uh, in the Senate and should have acted in the House. But if they don't agree with me, that's fine. That's how our democracy works. Uh, you may have noticed they usually don't agree with me. But don't jeopardize our national security over this disagreement.
Most definitely. A lot of things to talk about with regard to this. I don't know about you guys. I constantly hear like the Super Bowl or sports uh, bleeding through. <laughs> Am I losing my mind or <laughs> is that uh, is that something that's going on? Uh, anyway, in this hour, I definitely want to hear from you on this, and I have a lot of angles. Now, the, the president says in his proposal that he wants to ease painful automatic cuts to the Pentagon. And domestic agencies. Now, in light of what's happening throughout the world and that he's gone to Congress and basically has said, you know, look, you know, allow me to take military action with ISIS. And, you know, they hold the key after the 60 days without their approval and domestic agencies. I think we all agree, regardless of our ideology, how idiotic it would be and, 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 and unsafe for the American people here. And abroad, quite frankly, uh, if we have a domestic agency that is allowed uh, to just hang in the balance and, you know, really be out on a limb like Homeland Security. Uh, So the president proposes to ease the automatic cuts that would be very painful. Those cuts would be to the Pentagon and domestic agencies such as Homeland Security. And this would be a 7 percent increase in annual appropriations. He wants a 38 billion dollar increase for the Pentagon and that Republicans will probably want to match. And his demand for nearly the same amount for domestic programs, well, that does set up a shutdown. But why, oh, why would Republicans want to close down and not fund Homeland Security? Oh, what happens to be about that little fence they want to build? $4 trillion budget for 2016. The president proposed that to Congress today. Um, it contains uh, a six-year $478 billion public works programs, highways, bridges, and transit updates. Now, I know a lot of you might say, well, Republicans aren't going to go for infrastructure, but many of those Republicans have states that have those bridges and roads badly in need of repair or entire replacement. Half of that, by the way, that $478 billion would be financed with a one-time mandatory 14% tax, and that would be due immediately. A lot of Americans don't like that three-letter word tax, but it's necessary. It's necessary. You want more, you got to pay more. That's pretty much in any society, with any government, rich or poor. And, uh, of course, uh, this tax would be on profits that U.S. companies have amassed overseas. Um, Now, let me tell you something. Again, this is taxing rich folks. This is not taxing poor and middle class. This is not protecting rich folks. And you know the GOP won't go for this because they bend over for the rich. Now, under current law, foreign profits would only face federal taxes if they're returned or repatriated to the U.S. They would face a top rate. That's 35 percent. Many companies avoid these taxes, by the way, on those earnings by simply leaving them overseas. And, you know, Congressman Paul Ryan, who's pulled out of the announced he's not running for president technically. Didn't really announce a run, right? But a Republican from Wisconsin said, quote, what I think the president is trying to do here is, again, exploit envy economics. Now, he is the new chair of the Tax Writing Ways and Means Committee. He said that on NBC's Meet the Press. He said, quote, this top-down redistribution doesn't work. Well, neither does trickle-down economics, Mr. Ryan. He said he was willing to work with the administration to see if they could find common ground on certain aspects of tax reform. And you know what? Left or right, they agree we need a reformation in our tax system. It's just who is reformed and how. (laughs) That's a whole different story. Now, the White House believes it has some leverage on taxing foreign earnings by linking the revenue to construction projects that potentially could benefit the states and districts of virtually every member of Congress. The president is releasing his budget as that federal deficit drops, as the president stated in his opening that we just played for you. His poll numbers are inching higher.
And the White House calculates that the one-time 14% mandatory tax on up to the $2 trillion in the estimated U.S. corporate earnings that have accumulated overseas is the companies making money overseas, folks. They're not creating jobs here. That would generate about $238 billion, which is about half of what is needed for the $478 billion in the public works. Okay? So why shouldn't we tax corporations that don't want to set up shop in America, that make tons of money overseas, and are trying to avoid taxes and are trying to get labor far cheaper, and quite frankly, many other things far cheaper. And we end up with what? Less jobs and not a quality product. Shouldn't they be penalized? Some people say, why should you be penalized for wealth? My thing is, this is an incentive. To me, this is to incentivize. You know, you don't want to pay these corporate taxes? Well, bring your business home. Create some jobs instead of outsourcing insource, right? That remaining $240 billion would come from the Highway Trust Fund. That's financed with a gas tax. Now, under the president's plan, the top tax rate for company profits earned in the U.S. would drop from 35 to 28%. And while past foreign profits would be taxed immediately at the 14% rate, going forward, new profit rates, uh, foreign profits, excuse me, would be taxed immediately. And that would be at 19%. Companies would get a credit, by the way, for foreign taxes that are paid. One of the reasons they go overseas, though, is to avoid those. Senators Rand Paul and Barbara Boxer have proposed paying for highway and bridge fixes, and there's bipartisan, by letting companies voluntarily pay taxes on foreign earnings at a one-time low rate of 6.5%. Other lawmakers have proposed boosting the highway trust fund with a higher gas tax, more palatable because gas prices are low, so you wouldn't really notice it, some people say or feel it. The president plans uh, with his plan proposes a 75% increase in funding for projects such as light rail and other public transportation systems. These are job creators all around, not just in building them, but giving people in rural areas access to cities from farther away and it, or from one city to another. Like here in California, you could go to San Diego from L.A. or uh, to San Francisco from L.A. or to Sacramento from San Francisco to work. And we all get to you exactly. It exactly keeps class down if you're a tourist. You know, you want to come to Disneyland in Anaheim and then go down to SeaWorld? Bada bing, bada boom. And I got to tell you, somebody who commuted 180 miles a day for a year living in San Francisco and working there and in Sacramento the year before I got married, I would have loved that light, that high-speed rail, let me tell you. Um, it would nearly double spending on grants for local road, rail, transit, and port projects. And, you know, since 2009, Congress has approved more than $4.1 billion for the competitive grants. This budget asks for $7.5 billion, and that's over six years. Altogether, the White House calculates the president's tax increases and spending cuts would cut the deficit, which has already been reduced greatly with him in office, about $1.8 trillion over the next decade. And that's uh, for 2016. The president's budget promises a $474 billion deficit. That's about equal to this year. So some questions for you. I'm not an economist, but I know when I hear good common sense. A $478 billion of that president's budget is going toward and proposed to go toward public works programs. That's highways, bridges, and transit upgrades, repair, or replacement. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk Radio of four and by you, the people. We are talking about the president's budget. Let's take some calls starting on this Monday on Line 3 in the Bronx with Michael. Hey, Michael, good afternoon. How you doing? Hey, Leslie, how you doing? I want to touch base on the issue of the Homeland Security and state that um, it closes this month unless um, Republicans fund it. 
I have a real big problem with that, and only because it goes right back to how these Republicans um, treated President Obama right from the get-go, wanting him to fail, wanting him to be a one-term president, never um, working with him, uh, blocking and obstructing everything. And um, when you also encounter the Benghazi thing that kept going on and on and on, the Republicans saying, talk about Benghazi, talk about Benghazi, four dead Americans, four dead Americans. And yet they wanted to hide, they wanted to hide the fact that they had stopped um, funding for the um, American embassies that was over in Benghazi, as well as the um, some of our troops and security. The thing is that Republicans played a key factor in their obstructionism that led to the death of four um, Americans, including that offensive um, video piece. But then they want to keep pointing the finger towards Obama. So what the hell is going to happen if they let the Department of Homeland Security close down and then, God forbid, if something happens to this nation or any other Americans overseas, now they're going to turn around and point the finger towards Obama because of the crap that they pull out of their pettiness against the first African-American president? Jesus, won't they grow up and get a grip? Well, you know, Michael, one of your concerns, I think, is shared by everyone, regardless of their ideology, quite frankly. Uh, this is definitely not a time that we should be playing with the funding of an organization and a part of our government so essential, uh, you know, to uh, our security, to our welfare, um, which is Homeland Security. And and the, the, the Republicans have to decide if the will of the American people, excuse me, the safety of the American people is more important than their political agenda. Um, and, and, I think, and I think the American people are going to see the um, – they're going to see the true colors, if you will, of, of the GOP if the GOP does allow uh, for uh, the clock to run out and for that funding to disappear for Homeland Security. I think we would all agree this is not a time to be playing with that department. I, I, and I was going to say, Leslie, thank you so much for pointing that out, because we now see a Republican-led Congress, and it's time for them to step up and really prove to us, the American people, that they are on our side and have our interests and safety at hand, and not playing um, or catering just to... I agree. The I agree. So we'll have, to see, we'll have to see what they do with this. You remember? And remember, though, they're going to spin it, and some people are going to, you know, uh, definitely get sucked into the spin. And I hope to God not either. I mean, people, if you're listening to me, hear my voice. Wake up and pay attention. It doesn't cost one red cent to pay attention, and it could save your life one day. All right. Thank you for the call, Michael. Appreciate it. When we finish with a call, you're cue to call through. Pick up the phone and join us, and let's see who's up next. We go to Charles in New Mexico, line four. Charles, good afternoon. Hello, Leslie. This is Charles of Santa Fe. Hi. Yes, I do like the budget and uh, bridges. We need uh, there were a couple falling apart over here. One was, one led to a, a grammar school, and I had a dream that um, I saw concrete on these kids at the bottom of the river, and they quickly ordered it. It cost thirteen million dollars, and they had to get them from Pittsburgh. But at least they're from you know side to side instead end to end and. Uh, and uh, I, I felt a lot better about it. But uh, it's, it's pretty nice. 
And it doesn't take much. They'll find the money. Your senator has a lot of money, but you can find the money somewhere or the other. Someone can pay for it. Well, what about taxing the rich? Yes, definitely. I I hate Reaganomics. I was there when he was governor. When he went in, I said, this is trouble getting. <laughs> and he was a Democrat then. And when he turned Republican, that's when he turned against the, um, the middle class. And we've been having problems with that for 35 years. And I remember when all this started, and it seems to have taken a life of its own. And to continue his um, uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, uh, policies, he's been dead, gone for a long time. It's time to change and time to tax the rich. Instead of taking all these great businesses to China or other places like that. How, 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 how effective do you think this will be as opposed to symbolic, being, being that, you know, the, the House and the Senate are a Republican majority who love to cater to the rich, and certainly taxing them more is not catering to them? Well, I'm hoping that the American people will open their eyes and see what's really going on. Go yeah, but you know what? One thing I notice, and Democrats do it too, but Republicans more so, once they get into office and they're elected, they you know, pretty much don't care what the American people say often. No, they forget all They've already the got their vote. Well, I, you know, I've done 14 campaigns. I know the promises of a, of a, of a you know, politician, whether Democrat or Republican, are forgotten the moment they are inaugurated. <laughs> and, and that's not the way to be. You know, I'm 72 years old, and I've been around a long time. And I was a, a journalist for 30 years. You know, I worked at the same newspaper, and now I don't work that much. I'm retired, and I needed a rest. I got threatened all the time. You know, you get uh, you know these uh, life threats. Oh, they just start scary. I have to change my number all the time. But uh, it's a, it's a thing that uh, the American people will have to vote this next time, and maybe we can get our Senate back. And uh, the White House and Congress, I don't know. I really don't know about that. Koch brothers are very involved with that. I, you know, I, I just hope that uh, uh, something can be done about it. And the American people wake up and not be afraid. Not be afraid. What can they do to you? For voting? Really? <laughs> uh, the impossible thing can be done. It can be done. I thought it, you know, from one end to the other. And I've run a lot of good candidates. And uh, I, I won't run a drunk because, you know, it happens with that. But uh, I've run good candidates, and they've turned out well, and uh, things got done. But um, the Congress has been sitting on their rear end for uh, six years now. It's time to do something, you know. And that's because John Boehner won't put these uh, bills on the floor, you know. You can't vote on nothing, you know. I know, and Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it. Let's go next to Josh in Iowa on line five. Hey, Josh, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. What's your um, take? What's well, your, what, I wanted to call in. I wanted to talk about um, the tax plan, what part of the tax plan that was part of Obama's new budget, um, specifically about business tax rates that um, were projected to go down. I think you tweeted something like 28% is what they'd go down to from 35% um, for businesses that earned all their profit in the United States. Um, and so, like, doing at-home labor or, stuff, or like, um, factories here in the United States, I mean, I just thought that was a really great idea. And if it's not enough to spur business growth, I think at the very least it'll be enough incentive um, for businesses to stop outsourcing, maybe keep some jobs, especially in manufacturing here at home. Um, and I also think it's a really great opportunity 
for Obama, who hasn't necessarily, from at least what I've read and experienced, who hasn't necessarily been viewed as the most pro-business friendly president to show that he's on business's side as long as they play by some standard rules like keeping businesses or keeping jobs here in the United States, they'll be willing to scratch their back, you know? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, look, in, let's take something that's a very, a very American industry, and that is filmmaking, Hollywood, right? Right. Uh, of course, I mean, Bollywood puts out many more films, but the world isn't watching as much Bollywood as they are Hollywood, let's be mm-hmm. honest. You know, this is a billion-dollar business with a B. And in California, where I live, um, you know, they, they have certainly a lot of filmmaking here, but other states wanted to get in on it. And you had North Carolina, New York, other places that gave what? Tax incentives right. for directors, producers, writers, actors, movie makers, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and television uh, series uh, to shoot their films there. Canada did the same thing. Canada said, hey, you know, come north. And, you know, is that is that wrong? So I, I agree with you. I don't, I, you know, I know some people say, well, it's like, you know, punishing a court. Well, why not? I mean, why not not look at it as punishment, but more as you are going, it's more beneficial for you. There okay. is a reward in doing, you know, doing the right thing. You have the money. You have the power. You're that 1% that has the opportunity to change the outcome economically of the 99%. Right. And, I mean, and 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 the the president talks about fairness. The president talks about leveling the playing field, and I think he's speaking directly to everything he has said with this. Mm-hmm. Definitely, we agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? No, nope, that's it. Thanks for taking my call, Leslie. Oh well, thank you for joining us. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. You can take a break when we come back. More calls, your tweets. Follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Like our fan page, facebook.com forward slash the Leslie Marshall Show to FB me. Go to our website, LeslieMarshallShow.com to email me and call me. Uh, if you want, it's a talk show after all. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Back after this. Don't go away. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. We're back, back to the calls. Bob's in Maryland on line three, talking the president's budget proposals, what you like or don't like about it. Bob, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Hello. Thank you very much for speaking with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I had a couple points. One is on the infrastructure, which they talk about. We've been lied to many times about infrastructure dollars going to infrastructure. Uh, They're just always diverted to other things. Such such as? so So for people that aren't aware of that? Well, uh, they'll just go use it for the general budget. If they're running a shortfall, they'll tap any unspent dollars that are left. Yeah, but this this is a specific amount of money for specific items within specific states. Uh, I mean, you know, there is a list of which needs to be repaired, which needs to be replaced. We've had somebody, an expert on that, on the program in the past. 
Um, I understand there's obviously there's always a concern. Do we think that every single, you know, penny that we have uh, put forth for any item goes there 100 percent? Or or is there a possibility that those uh, monies will be funneled elsewhere? I I think that's a, you know, a real concern, a real possibility. But with regard to infrastructure, I don't believe so for a few reasons. One, uh, this is an area where Democrats and Republicans can agree and that can help the president. And help Democrats, which he's got to do better before he leaves office at doing, leaving that for them and his seat open uh, for a new president, which Democrats, obviously, both parties want very badly. Two, uh, the president is backed by many unions. This is a huge issue uh, for unions all the way around. Uh, Name a union. They're involved with infrastructure. And it helps uh, to create jobs for those uh, union holders, union card holders, those employees of the unions and members of the unions. And they are huge backers financially, you know, you know, millions oh, yeah. and millions of dollars of the president. So, uh, quite, you know, quite frankly, I, I don't see that happening. Well, I'm all in favor of the infrastructure. Uh, it's not that hard to make a list of things that you really need repairs. But infrastructure dollars should not be going for things like the high-speed rail in California. Uh, well, that... you know, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you. Um, the, the California, as you know, is what the world's seventh largest economy. It's the United States largest state. It's an exporter of a lot of the food that you eat, especially produce, uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, you know, agriculture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the rail system would allow you remember that California. What, what, what do they say about L.A.? What, what is L.A. known for? One of the things is known for highways. Right. Why? Because so many people have to drive because it's so spread out. Having lived elsewhere, you know, getting in Boston, Chicago, you know, New York, D.C., I can hail a cab and get somewhere. I can get on a subway. Kind of hard, even though we do have underground uh, metro here now. Um, it, it's, it's, it's much harder because, one, we have earthquakes here in Southern California. We're on a fault line, Los Angeles. Two, uh, the, the cost of living here is extremely high. Um, three... Uh, we have a very uh, large population of uh, migrant workers, and I'm not talking illegals. There are many legal immigrants who are migrant workers who don't can't afford uh, cars or don't know to pass the driver's test. Quite frankly, don't even speak English or may not even read and write. But they work in these areas. Many of these work areas are in the central uh, coast of California. Without a car, currently, there's no there's pretty much no way to get there, and and also to connect to the various cities. I mean, if if you're out of work in Los Angeles, but you can get a job in San Diego, that's a two and a half hour drive each way. Not to mention its impact on the environment. Now, I know you might say, well, that's in California. But if you're having people that are, are it's easier for them to get to and from places and you have enough land, which we do in California, to build more places that can create jobs for people, not just in California, but that desire a job that are outside of California that could go to California. And, of course, for the goods, uh, not just produce, but the products that are made that, that are exported uh, to other places in the United States. Those are all good arguments for why the state of California ought to be spending the state of California's money on it if they deem that's important. They are. They are. But this is not – this is – I guess you could say it's kind of like NPR. they got federal government and then people pitching in. No, California isn't doing – it's not a 100 percent federally funded project. But there's enough of it that's federally funded. When we have roads that are in sad need of – we have uh, federal roads that are in sore need of repair, federal bridges – that are in sore need of repair. Uh, we need to prioritize where the money goes. And repairs, to me, 
are what's the most important thing. Then way down on the list are expansions, unless it is a government-mandated highway that you need for government transportation purposes. That's why the government, federal government did the roads to begin with. Uh, was to move troops, etc., from one point to the other as necessary. The rest of it are states' needs, and we've got to get out of the idea of the federal government providing everything for all the states if the states don't have money to do it. Because, to me, we should not be involved with individual states' funding issues for their states' infrastructures. Uh, really? So you feel, for example... Um, if there is a bridge uh, in a state that needs to be completely replaced, that the state has to finance that on its own, otherwise they're SOL? Uh, you could get a federal-backed loan. I mean, Okay, so you're, you're in favor of the money if it is a loan. And if it if it is not a gift that the right. So in other words, you just want to pay. OK, well, let me ask you, what about interstate highways? No. Now, that's that's a, a justifiable spent expense of federal funds. All right. So you're basically saying I hear you, but I, I don't agree with you. You know, look, I we're not that far apart. But. No, we're not that far apart. But I, I just, I understand. Although we have, you know, different states and lines in the stand, we're still one nation, and I, I have no problem pitching in for another state's bridge because I don't want somebody dying if that bridge is not repaired. Uh, you know, the next time there's, you know, I don't know, a flood, an earthquake, a hurricane, a tornado, Which or just uh, once it gives in. Federal loans are appropriate in those instances. I hear you, but we don't agree. Like you said, we're, yeah. we're not that far off from each other. But I appreciate you joining me. Thank you, and I hope you will again. Thanks, Bob. Let's go to Joel in Ohio. Hey, Joel. He's on line four. Uh, Joel, good afternoon. How you doing, Leslie? Good. How are you? Good. Listen, I don't have any problem with spending on infrastructure. I mean, everything wears out. I mean, that's a given. What I have a problem with is this president's ideology. It's it's the same old progressive, liberal, tax and spend, tax and spend. It's like... Well, then let me ask you... Okay, let me ask you this then. Don't you have a problem with the same GOP ideology, which is give money to the rich and they'll create jobs. Give money to the rich, it'll trickle down. Because that hasn't worked and that seems to have been their ideology and continues to be. Well, what do you mean give money to the rich? Why... Well, having tax breaks for the rich, the Bush tax cuts were an example of that, Um, you know, benefiting the rich and not having programs that benefit the middle class. The belief, like with Reaganomics, uh, that you benefit the top and it will trickle down to the trickle down to the rest. But that that has not worked. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped Striped. Striped. boat neck sweaters. Sweaters. The Container Store Alpha Sale is here with 30% off Alpha and installation. The Container Store, where space comes from. 